This is the 12 Songs of Christmas, my podcast about Christmas music. Today I've got a good conversation about Sufjan Stevens' Songs for Christmas. Not with Stevens, but with Chris Marchand, an Anglican pastor, writer, and musician who's recorded Christmas music on his own. He reached out to me after hearing the podcast, and since he had a different perspective than I did on the album, and one that puts Christian faith at the center of an indie rock project, I figured he could help me find a way into this five-disc set that is plain-spoken and perplexing at the same time. We'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to start with a great Canadian, Stompin' Tom Connors. Stompin' Tom was a country singer who went for something like a Canadian Woody Guthrie thing. He was a man of the people, and he starred in the 1973 movie Across This Land, which features him playing live at the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto, intercut with scenes of him in cities and situations relevant to his depictions of Canadian life. Part of his gimmick came from his name, and he brought a sheet of plywood on stage with him and kept time by stomping the heel of his cowboy boot on it. By the end of the last song, he held up the board and showed that he had, in fact, stomped his way through it. Stompin' Tom rendered working life in Canada in broad, often comedic terms. And by the time I became aware of him in the 1980s, his songs were understood as a form of naive art. The words on the page, out of context, border on doggerel, but Connor's good-humored earnestness elevated them. His delivery didn't exactly make the songs good, but he made them distinctive, engaging, and fun. Their patriotic value came more from the way he acknowledged that factory workers in Sudbury and truckers in Prince Edward Island existed at all. In 1970, he released Merry Christmas, Everybody, and it's not as geographically specific as he would often be. There are no standards on the album. He wrote everything, and the album lives and dies on Stompin' Tom's Connerness. His homespun sense of humor can be groan-inducing, and when he's serious, he rarely has a touch to avoid being mawkish. But there's something going on, and you can't get away from it. Here's a title cut. Merry Christmas, everybody, and a happy new year, too. May your holidays be merry and every wish come true. May you always be remembered by those so dear to you. Merry Christmas, everybody, and happy new year all year through. Merry Christmas, everybody, and happy new year all year through. Well, there's old grandpappy, and he sure looks happy with granny just a slap on her knees. There's old Aunt Mary with funny Uncle Harry, and they're trying to give the baby a squeeze. There's long-lost cousins, kitties by the dozens, and they're going to stay the whole day long. Get together now, friends and neighbors, sing a happy holiday song. Merry Christmas, everybody, and a happy new year. I return to Merry Christmas, everybody, because his best intentions are always clear in the songs even when his craft can't keep up. His good-naturedness shows up, even in songs about being hostile to Christmas. Here's an aesthetic from another day, Down on Christmas, from Merry Christmas, Everybody, by Stompin' Tom Connors. Well, here I am, down on Christmas, after being up all year. Broke my hip, cocked the grip, and my good wife disappeared. I hit the floor like an apple core when Doc took me off of the beer. It's hard to be down on Christmas after being up all year. After being up all year, 
I can't find any cheer. It's hard to be down on Christmas after being up all year. Yeah, here I am down on Christmas and I can't eat nothing fried. Had a slice of meat that was cut so thin it only had one side. I feel a lot like a dirty sock that Santa Claus won't come. Sufjan Stevens' Songs for Christmas was one of the first indie rock Christmas albums. The box set, released in 2006, collected the EPs he had released yearly, independently, starting in 2001. On them, he sings hymns and Christmas songs, focusing on the ones rooted in Christian faith. Over the years, the arrangements became more involved and the song lists added elements that complicate the experience. Are these songs really expressions of Stephen's Christian belief? Is that all they are? Is there something deeply, subtly ironic going on here? And if so, what is it? On one hand, it seems so simple, but it's indie rock, and nothing is ever simple, simple. So what do we do with this? Chris Marchand and I dig into the album. So let's get started with the first track from the 2001 EP, This is Silent Night. about yourself give me the short version who's chris marchand and why are you talking to me yeah so sometimes uh, when i tell people this they're like oh uh you do a, a lot of things um okay <laughs> so in some ways uh not to put off your audience but uh one of the main things that i do is i'm a i'm a church minister and so uh for years i've been leading music at my church and i'm kind of a, an assistant pastor at this at this point uh, my tradition is called Anglican. It comes out of the Church of England. Uh, in America, it's kind of been an Episcopalian. So uh, my one of my primary interests have been uh, how arts and faith combine. And so I, I started a podcast a few years ago called Post-Consumer Reports. And I have other podcasts that I've been involved in as well. Um, over the years, I, I, I kept writing. And, and, I, and uh, there's this Samuel Johnson quote. It says, uh, no man is a fool, but writes for money. Ah. And, uh, it, <laughs> and I thought, well, that guy's onto something, you know, one of those, you know, 17th century British guys, whatever he is. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, pithy quotes out there. And so I was like, yeah, I got to write a book. I got to figure something out. And, and, and I almost wrote a book on Arcade Fire. I, I tried to write a 33 and a third. Uh, I got through the first uh cut off you know i made the first round yep. and then they they didn't i was like down to the last 80 people and they didn't accept me from there which is fine you know like it was a good experience uh, writing a book a proposal all that kind of thing and uh, anyway i ended up writing a book on christmas uh, i through one way or another my interest was peaked where i was like i want to learn more about this and so my book is on the history and traditions of the 12 days of christmas and the title is so i, I really what's that what's the title Title is celebrating the twelve days of Christmas: A Guide for Churches and Families. And so, what I do is I, I kind of go through the days and go, okay, here's this day. You know, a lot of British people they know the twenty sixth as Boxing Day, and and for them that means you know sales in the shops or there's a rugby or football game on. But there's a whole tradition there too, like with, with different church, the church calendar and all that type of thing. 
so I, I go through the church calendar, and then I answered a, some questions that were always kind of burning in my own mind, which was, uh, you know, you know, how did they just settle on the 25th? Like, come on, some, somebody give me a good answer for this one. You know, it, was all, I, it never was like, I never felt like there was a decent answer. Right. And, uh, and of course, I played the historian game, and you find out that historians don't necessarily have a decent answer either. So, and so... And so there, there's, there's questions like that that I answered. I, I looked into, and you know, this is where I was really, I, I was really intrigued by your own podcast title. I looked into where the, the history of the 12 days of Christmas song comes from, which was just a lot of fun. So right. Just a, a funny little history there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I have to admit, I had forgotten that my, that the podcast title is actually also the title of an album by Jim Reeves, which is a really good Reeves. record. Yeah. Uh, country my Jim mom Reeves. my mom loves Jim Reeves. Yeah. I have to look that album up. I have a couple of his albums on vinyl, but I, I, I'm not that familiar with them. But boy, sure. you, you know, if my mom ever listens to this, she'll just start crying that you mentioned that. <laughs> I, I have to admit the title came from a book proposal I was working on, and that and I had, and I envisioned these two projects running sort of in tandem. I now have decided that project is likely not going to end up coming out in that form and so the title is now sort of floating on its own um and now i realize and say in a, when i went at one point to google the uh my uh, app my uh, stream on on the apple that's when i found oh there's a jim reeves album out there and i have that album and i just <laughs> forgot that this was that title but i'm happy with it nonetheless so um <laughs> So anyway, well, I'm I really that uh, you also, in addition to writing about it and talking about it, you've also make Christmas music that you've got an, yeah. an album and an EP, correct? Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and I'm, I'm very much kind of like a, a bedroom artist at this point. And in, in that sense, you know, I, I tried to figure out the music side of my career and I never knew how to make it work. You know, I was just always expecting that one song to blow up, you know, just you know, like, like in that thing you do, you know, they just find you, right? The record execs, they, they find me, right? Um, but yeah, I, I've released some Christmas music. I, I mean, maybe another reason why I wanted to be on, talk to you is I just, I kind of love Christmas music. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've, I've released some, a couple of little albums over the years and th just this past Christmas, um, a little, a little EP of kind of a, a, a you know, keyboard synthesizer music. Having yeah. some fun. Yeah, it's um, oh, let nothing you dismay, right? That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And the tracks that the the most electronic tracks are the ones that interest me most. And that's like the title track in your version of Silent Night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so right. Yeah. What that when I'm listening to them, the reference points I'm hearing are like late '70s, early '80s, sort of analog <laughs> synths, Moogs. And uh, or the uh, early incarnations of digital that uh, digital synths that also sound like science fiction. Is that your? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that that I it's it's in me somehow. You know, uh, it's hard to explain. I <clears throat> I grew up I was born in 81 and I came of age when the Super Mario came about, you know, and there's just something in the water there. You know, some of those John Hughes movies and. My my brother, I have older brothers, and so I listen to stuff on the radio, you know, and so, yeah, it just kind of settled in somehow. I, it, it's almost cliche nowadays, isn't it? But uh, I don't know. Like well, with Stranger Things. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a Stranger Things Christmas.
what drew you to that to those sounds? Well, in, in terms of why I made this particular little EP was I, I a friend of mine is doing an iPhone game and it's <clears throat> it's just come out. It's called Drifter. And he's like, can you do the music for my game? And I thought, well, sure, I'll try. And in playing through his his game, it's one of those games where, you, you know, you click on dots and you try to swipe them away and earn as much points and all those types of things. And uh, the, the synthesizers, like I, I use a, a Moog app on my phone and I don't have an actual one. And I'm just, it's, it's fun. It's fun to play around with it. And uh, so, I mean, that's my first example is it felt like the, the music for the game fit this style. And um, in the midst of that, you know, like I didn't grow up with Tangerine Dream. I didn't, I didn't have that kind of music in my, my, in my life. I grew up listening to Christian music, by the way, which is a whole other uh, discussion. Uh, so in recent years, discovering Tangerine Dream, I'm just like, man, I love this stuff. I wish I was born in the 70s, you know, or born in the late 60s or something, because th- this is my stuff. I-, I love that. So I don't know. I just It's just kind of immersing myself in that sound. And of course, there's craft work as well and Noi and all those kind of bands. So I got to tell you, my affection for that sound is, is that it sounded so much like something that was I wish was a part of the way we think today in, in, in music that at the time in German music and, and then in American and British music in that period, it seemed like there was a self-conscious thinking about the future and an idea, a period, particularly in the early eighties where rock music was very much thinking about trying to be the new music, trying to be the music of the future, trying to be the music that's in some ways a part of this moment and the moment to come. And, you know, at that, and at that point, that so often translated in these not found in nature synthesizers, you know, it would come to be, people would start trying to use synthesizers to emulate conventional instruments. And I love this Mm -hmm. period where people were, were essentially envisioning instrumental sounds and instrument and and a sound of music that didn't otherwise exist and couldn't otherwise exist. So anyways, this this was like you know a real fascination of mine and and, yeah, I, and I wish I, think I felt of Brian Eno as well. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, we should hear a moment since we're talking about it. Which would you rather we check into? Uh, let nothing you dismay or Silent Night. Uh, let how about let nothing you dismay? It's a little more intense, and I kind of like that. Okay, let nothing you dismay. Chris Marchand from the album from the EP of the same name, currently available on Bandcamp. thinking while listening to that this is like a blade runner christmas uh it yeah there me. you go <laughs> there you go we're actually talking today because of sufjan stevens songs for christmas 
that we started talking online, and this is an album that isn't that you you have an affection for, and it's an r- album that I've I've been trying for a while to wrap my head around, and so it seemed like if you are ready to talk and I'm interested, let's uh, let's uh, let's chew on it for a little while. So first off, why you know, first off, tell people about the record. Tell people what this is. So, yeah, I mean, in some ways, this is, a, this is a, a fascinating little history around this set of albums. I mean, he calls them EPs. There's five of them in this first set. Uh, he did two sets of this, by the way. So he has an earlier set that came out in 2006 and another one in 2012. It's it kind of gargantuan uh, to tackle it all. So let's, yeah, let's talk about this, this first set. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm from Illinois. And in 2005 he put out an album called come on and fill the Illinois. And he even misspelled it on purpose just for fun to mess with people. But it's a, it's a survey of American, uh, American history, uh, you know, Lincoln's in it, you know, Carl Sandburg's in it, uh, all those types mm-hmm. of things. Uh, but it's also very, uh, it's a very much about my state. And, you know, there's all kinds of shout outs to different uh, towns in, in my state. So that was 2005. And so I immediately became a Sufjan fan. And I was like, whoa, who is this guy? I, I wouldn't have listened to him, to be honest, other than he, some guy put out an album about my state. All right, let's try this on. Let's try this out. So then I believe, if my timeline is correct, that fall and winter, it came out that the same guy has been putting out these Christmas albums every year. And so here's where the internet comes into play with this, which is fun. I, I can't tell you where I first got it, but I downloaded it. Somebody, a friend of his, shared the, this album somewhere. Who, who knows who the leak was? But he wasn't a big enough artist. This wasn't U2. You know, this, is, this isn't like a Radiohead album. But somebody put him up there. And so I just, at, it was at this point that I started following all these different blogs and different, uh, you know, fan forums. And somewhere, somebody posted a link. And... And it was, I would just, I was, I gobbled it up because it was new music from this new artist that I loved. And the, the, here's the rumor. Supposedly Sufjan is putting out one Christmas album a year and he's been doing it since 2001. And it's like, what, every year? Oh, wow, that sounds ambitious. <laughs> the thing that's always been really interesting is, re, is that it was never clear. At this point, he was not nearly, I mean, say Illinois, said Illinois was, it was 2005. So at this, so before this, he really is a, is a largely underground figure, and he hasn't yeah. become as well known as he has become since. The, you know, the state, Michigan and Illinois, put him on, kind of put him on the map, and and this to a great degree did. But you were still when these things were coming out, people weren't sure quite what to do with this, because you had these records that are coming out in an indie context. And that they are, for all, as, as best you can tell, they're completely earnest. That they are coming, that as he's singing, many of them, uh, most, I mean, I think, I think everything on the first one is a carol or a Christian song um, or, a, or, a, or a folk classic, uh, like a British folk classic. But, almost, but they are very clearly coming from a Christian perspective. But because to a great degree, irony is so hardwired into indie at that point, nobody was quite sure what to do with this. And in fact, 
I was reading before we talked the uh, the Pitchfork review of it, and they said that basically, by virtue of embracing, of being so earnest about Christianity, that made it almost like as confrontational as punk um, to other to you know, to indie rock fans. And that felt a little bit strained, and then, and in a lot of ways, the review feels a little bit like kind of a bad faith review, although it's, they, they like a lot about it, and there's a lot in there I think is smart, but still there was kind of a fundamental just trying to wrap their head around how is an indie guy, uh, you know, uh, uh, embracing faith. What do you do with that? How does that affect you as somebody who is obviously, who's Christian and who is, uh, that? what do you do with that? Is that part of the, was that specifically part of the appeal or did that, was that... Yeah. Cherry on yeah. Top. You know, as a, as a guy, as a, as a Christian, yeah, that was, that was probably a huge deal for me. I, I love the fact that he was writing songs from this perspective and he was offering for those of us that maybe, maybe we, we don't feel like there's a place for our faith in the public sphere and we get it right. We're like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, this is rock music and stuff. And, and uh Christian rock isn't cool. We totally understand uh, you know, th- there's an industry there that manipulates people's faith as well. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, the Christian version of Metallica or the Christian version of, you know, whatever. It, it just it's, it's never ending. Uh, we always have Amy Grant, though, by the way, uh, you know, uh, like, <laughs> the true pop star. Right. Um, but it, it was it was nice. It was nice to hear this. Uh, I mean, so here's the thing about Sufjan is he he doesn't want you to pin him down with his faith. And so in this Christmas album, it, it's, this is pretty straightforward actually, but then throughout his career, he wants to become a moving target. Right. <laughs> and he wants to, he, he wants to make everyone uncomfortable. He'll, if you're not a person of faith, he's going to make you uncomfortable. If you are a committed person, you're, you know, then he's also going to make you put you in a place where like, Oh, I didn't, I don't know about that. And so he does that. That, That's one of his gifts, I think is, is kind of getting people to to contemplate things in a different way. So one, two, three, four. very interesting about this collection is yeah. he said that it starts with songs that were largely made kind of as recording sort of for friends as gifts 
and that yeah. and the first EP is a pretty much as you say a straight ahead folk record. Him and friends uh, singing, him playing a lot of uh, strumming banjo for much of it, and and I, I don't know about you, but for me as I hear it. And, and I, you know, kind of because the dates are on, there's almost no way not to think about it as, as time passing, that you can hear the story becoming more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I, I have yeah. to say, I, I like the first, I enjoy listening to the first two, but I don't choose them much. Uh, 2003, mm-hmm. Ding Dong, which is the middle, is the place where I actually, mm-hmm. I find I get most interested um okay. that you get that the uh the the uh the christian songs the carols uh the hymns he begins to transform them more early on they're maybe playing with harmonies he may be playing with them in a light uh, rearranging them in a light way but for the most part he's giving you a pretty straight version of the song he's giving you and at this point they start to shift around some and he's starting to take some liberties and finding new new places to go with them. So his fingerprints are a little clearer, and they, the, the songs become more his rather than him sort of bringing you, mm-hmm. you know, a book of a book of songs that he can he's singing with friends. And his and the instru- and the originals I think are really interesting at this point. Um, mm-hmm. That it has uh, oh um, that was the worst Christmas ever. Uh, and come on, let's boogie to the elf dance, um, which is the worst title and one of my favorites on the album. Uh, I wonder, yeah. We're going to go ahead and yeah, play yeah. it, and then you and I can talk about about that song. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. I tell you why I picked it. Where are you with that song? <laughs> um, come on, let's boogie to the elf dance. Oh my goodness. Um, now no, that that song sounds really different. What style would you say that that is in? Like, well, who's that reminiscent of? Well, it's reminiscent of both a lot of things and nothing specifically, which is part of my interest in it. Uh, I mean, that kind of pounding insistence is. Yeah. I mean, that's Wilco on, uh, that's also, that pounding insistence is also waiting for my man by the, uh, by the Velvet Underground. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, uh, musically. Um, yeah. But I, I'm glad you're mentioning that you're drawing from some stuff that I know about, but I'm not that, I mean, I actually, I'm really familiar with Wilco. So that actually resonates. Um, and so, uh, I think what's funny to me is, there are times when soon 
Fionn's lyrics connect with me so deeply that I weep, that I'm so moved. And there's other times where he's he kind of takes this kitchen sink approach where he throws everything at you and he's goofy and he's just letting it all hang out there. So this is one of those songs for me where he's just like, I'm going to reference a bunch of crazy stuff, random association about Christmas, and you're going to have fun at this song. And yeah. <laughs> so this is just one of those songs that kind of makes me laugh, you know? See, I like that. I, I, got, I got that. That's not exactly where I go with it. One of the early lines is, um, oh, let me see if I got it here. Your sister, look at your sister's bangs. She cut them herself. There's something kind of sweet and affectionate about that and having that note early on. And then to have a song that's one of the rare, that at at this point in in uh, in the series, you haven't had a place where the secular and the spiritual coincide. And so you have at this point that you have like Kmart is closed, uh, Santa is coming away in a manger, um, and that that kind of that the way he goes back and forth and makes um, little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head becomes his refrain. Again, everything is playing off of it, and so you've got you know Joseph and Mary, what a great day! So you've got the two the the two threads that kind of the the very much the mundane. Here's a picture of a family Christmas, a family at Christmas time, you know, going around your town and having that with the Christian element becoming more prominent. Because by the end, that uh, little Lord Jesus becomes, I mean, not only that, the, the phrase, the Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head is repeated, but repeated until, and, and on a quick enough repeat that you just kind of have little Lord Jesus, little Lord Jesus, little Lord Jesus while song is carrying on over it. And so it becomes the backdrop. And so you're trying to sort of at one level, I just, I, you know, that point where the spiritual and the secular coincide strikes me as, as very real. And I think for, and for so many people that, you know, that really is that that's their lives, you know, and, and to have the two coexist, but then also to sort out, how should we hear it? Because with a title like um, "Come on, let's boogie to the elf, to the elf dance," it sort of says, "Don't." It, it it seems like you're telling he's telling us not to take it seriously, but then it doesn't throw it doesn't deliver any jokes, and mm. um, and he's not making fun of his sister. He doesn't seem to be making fun of anybody in it. So anyway, so I, so I find it I find it asks better questions, or or it makes me you know sort of want to you know have to sort of go in deeper in a way that I don't when he sings Silent Night to me or when he sings um, when he sings Holy, Holy, Holy to me. It's like <laughs> at, once I get past the initial indie rock guy singing that to me, then it becomes like, how do I like the version? Yeah, so I'm actually glad that you brought all that up because what you helped me to see is something I didn't, I, I didn't see it in this early song, but he's he's laying out his whole Christmas thesis in this song in, in some way. It, this is like a, an intro. It's, it's his first working towards it. Uh, I, I want to show you something. Uh, I don't know if you have the physical copy of this, and of course our listeners won't be able to see it, but here's his, you know, his uh, artwork for it, and it's this picture of a perfect family, and it's Sufyan, and he, he has a family all around him, and for those of us that are fans of Sufyan, we know he doesn't have a wife and kids. We don't exactly know his relationship status or anything like that. So he's, he's given us this perfect Christmas and 
And Sufjan kind of stares ahead off into the distance. Right. You know, part of him, part of him seems to be saying, is this really my family? You know, he's yeah. kind of, <laughs> he kind of has this, he kind of has this look. And so if you read, if you read some of his, I've read like transcripts from some concerts and little interviews he did. And, and it's funny because he says two things regarding both of both his past and his present Christmases. He says, a growing up Christmas was kind of awful all the time. We were poor. There was too many of us kids. We fought all the time. Uh, my parents always seemed to be mad. He even has this thing that I don't even, he puts it in the lyrics of one of the songs. I don't know how true it is. In, in one of his songs, he says it's his dad, but then in the liner notes, he has this story where whenever his mom would get too stressed and she'd be like, that's it. I'm not doing this. She'd just get up, go under the tree, pick up one of the presents and just throw it in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I and I'm, I'm reading this story. And I'm like, is this really true, Sufjan? Are you speak? Is this does this really happen? Because it's really quite an inventive, uh, you know, a narrative ploy in a sense. Because like, wow, that's really intense. So whether it's true or not, it sure it certainly is an inventive image to associate with Christmas. To think that your parent would get so stressed, so done with it all that they throw. One of your gifts in the fire. The other aspect is what he said about his present day Christmases. He's like, I've heard, he said numerous times, you know what? I don't really do Christmas. I, uh, I like to just be alone. Even in college, I, I even stopped going home. I was like, I'm just, just I'm just done. So I, I think the Christmas albums themselves are his way of working out all of the tensions that he feels about the holiday sacred secular you know profane yeah. <laughs> the commercialization of it all he's, he's working it out in front of us and then guess what he'll throw in a traditional carol as well and go yep i love this one too even even though i still feel conflicted about it What I've read in interviews or read and read in his writing about his about how about Christmas and faith. Actually, I think I liked him a little. I, I liked him and it a little better before I read it because, lack of a better term, pretty judgy on uh, on, on contemporary Christmas in generally that the premise as he talks about about, Chris, about Christmas today seemed to be that it's kind of a mess and mm. it's. And I'm, the word I'm, I'm blanking on a specific word that would make sense, but it is, you know, kind of this is wrong and that's wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong. And they're all sort of stacked, all these wrong things stacked on top of this beautiful, beautiful event. Are, are you familiar with the song, The Christmas Unicorn? It's the last song on the last, <clears throat> the last disc of the Silver and Gold album. Are you familiar with that one at all? It's OK if you're not. I have heard it, but I have to admit, by the time we it, got to Silver and Gold, I was... I was interested, but I just didn't have the ability to listen to six discs. I'm a Christmas unicorn in a uniform made of gold. 
With a billy goat beard and a sorcerer's shield And a mistletoe on my nose Oh, I'm a Christian holiday I'm a symbol of original sin I've a pagan tree and a magical wreath And a bow tie on my chin Oh, I'm a pagan heresy the, the song is a culmination. It's, it's basically the more refined version of come on, let's boogie to the elf dance, because he says he uses Christmas unicorn as this metaphor that we inside all of us is this tension of the profane and the sacred. And so we want we want family. We want connection. We want uh you know, to, to celebrate divinity and faith in Christmas. And yet we're, we're crass, you know, we are running up our credit card bills. We're, we're, uh, we have all these uh, contradictions within ourselves. And so the Christmas unicorn is his image for that really beautiful song. And um, he references at the end of it, I think it's, is it joy division? Love, love will tear us apart. Yeah. And uh, he, he merges that Joy Division song to the end of the Christmas Unicorn. I think that's his way of transcending it, which is like, it's at the end of the day, we have to learn how to love each other. You know, it's, it's a bit cliche, but hey, you know, it's, it's how he transforms Christmas. Yeah. So, well, and it, it, I mean, it, it, oh, that is interesting. I'll, I'll have to go back and check it uh, because that idea then of, of weirdly, of, just of like finding Joy Division as your way of... Uh, as your way of finding your finding your way out is that's complicated that's right. by itself notes on uh on the on the album and like uh, and ways that things to talk about you had it broken down into traditional carols and instrumentals and original songs yeah is that how you think about it is that the way it, the way you sort it out in your head so i mean there's 
I listened to the whole album or at least the first four ones this year while I was wrapping Christmas presents. So there's a, there's a way that I love to just put it on, keep flipping sides. You know, I have the, I have it on vinyl and just go from thing to thing. There's an alternate, alternate way of looking at it, which is I, I really like the instrumentals. You know, I just love having that. Like, so I, I, I don't do Spotify playlists. I'm way too much of an analog kind of guy, but if I were to do that, I would, I'd line up all of his fun instrumentals. I mean, he, he has different versions. He has, guitar guitar banjo he has piano instrumentals he has mallet you know where he's doing marimbas and vibraphones and all that stuff man you know that that's a an album of on its own for me so like i i i would love i could listen to that um i love his old folk versions and so i mean one of the ways you can look at these albums is for those of us that are really seven swans, his album, seven swans, I would say the first four EPs are kind of in that seven swans vein. And then uh, EP five, now we're in Illinois and there's a few songs on there like Christmas in July. And it it really feels like Illinois, you know, different than the other EPs. Right. Uh, So I just wanted to go back because you talked about instrumentals and it wasn't really interesting. First off, let's hear one. Um, what do you think we ought to hear? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I like for something different. I like "Angels We Have Heard on High" off of the second volume because it's he, he he's in, he's injecting some of his Steve Reich. If you know him as a modern classical composer, there's a little bit of Steve Reich in "Angels We Have Heard on High" off of volume two. How do you think of when you hear an instrumental of a, of a of a hymn? What do you do with that? Uh, I mean, yeah. that how do you do you like mentally fill in the words in your head? How does that how does that piece of music live? You, you know what? So I, I have a, a degree in sacred music, and one of the things that we learned early on, learning about hymns and how texts were paired with the melodies, is how. That, that the melodies often exist on their own. Um, so, so for instance, there's this one melody, my favorite melody, my favorite hymn melody, it's called Heifredal, and it, it's a Welsh folk tune. Uh, I know it to the song, Love, Divine, All Love's Excelling, or Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's this beautiful Welsh tune. But the thing is, is you can pair it to any lyrics that match that same meter. So to answer your question is, I'm, I'm, I'm a tune guy. I mean, I love lyrics as well. I'm, I'm, I write, but uh, I hear tunes. And I think that's, I think that's why Christmas songs, Christmas carols are so iconic. It's because if the tune's good enough, it's going to stick, which actually goes into some of the questions you've been asking on your podcast, which I love, which is like, what's the deal with Mariah Carey's the song being the last true Christmas standard? What's, what's going on, right? Yeah. Like what's happening here? And uh, and you had low on, which is good. What, what's what's their song that became popular? Uh, uh, just that, like Christmas. Yeah, I'm like thinking, hey, that's a pretty close candidate. That's that's getting up there. And so I think that about Sufjan too is I love some of his originals. I'm not sure if they quite get there with the melody. Um, anyway, I, I've I've answered like 12 questions all at once, but uh, but I, I to, to answer your instrumental question is yeah, what's he going to do creatively? with this classic melody that I already know. That's what I'm looking for. I'll tell you that one of the reasons I ask is that 
every year for now, oh man, I think about it now, it's probably been probably been at least 20 years. I've done a, uh, my Christmas card has been uh, either a cassette or a, a CD. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I have friends who are, are not, who, you know, not only are not people of faith, but also are, are, are kind of hostile to it. Um, <laughs> and so, or at least people for whom it's, a, you know, it's enough of a fuzzy space that they're not comfortable with it. And so yeah. I have, so I've always found just kind of at a real simple level, instrumental versions of hymns yeah. is a way of making sure that not every song is a Santa song. Um, and, and, and to put some of these classic, classic melodies in without necessarily having them, having people sing them as, you know, yeah. uh, sing them about yeah. Jesus. So I, so, you know, so I have my own curious relationship for me. They're kind of, uh, they're a way to visit that body of music without necessarily yeah. having people who, who have issues with the church. Um, without yeah, sure. having to, uh, without having to basically, you know, make this gift go in their face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. And I mean, th th what we would hope is the melodies stand up, stand the test of time. And, uh, they are for the yeah. most part. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's, you know, there's a reason. I mean, they are, you know, it's like every, whenever you talk to anyone who has recorded those songs, they always go yeah. back to why do these songs last? Because these songs are simply, you know, bulletproof. That they are simply some of the best melodies written, and and they and as it and kind of because they are, they've often become some of the most attractive to try to figure out how to how to remake. Uh, and they also, in a lot of cases, offer the most possibilities for what to do with them and how to do something with them. Yeah, and, and along with that, you know, are the vocal ones as well. Like Sufjan, the best traditional ones that, that work the best are ones where he comes up with his own counter melodies. And uh, the one that sticks out to me is, is Joy to the World off of volume four. And he just he just has this, he, he comes up with his own hook, which I just, it's like, it doesn't have to work. It could be an utter failure, but oh man, that joy, that joy to the world, his joy to the world is uh, so catchy. And and I might add, it's it's called Joy to the World, right? But he still manages to make it sound a little melancholy. It's yeah. like, <laughs> there's something about it that's a little sad. Joy to talk about on this was hey guys it's christmas time which is his sorry the closest thing there is to a true pop song on here 
That's it's similar to your elf dance song, isn't it? Like there's there's kind of a raucousness to it. This one's even more raucous. Yeah. 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 And the I guess part of what I like is that weirdly, as you sort of said a moment ago, what made me think about it is that it is one of the f- most sort of sort of up moments on the whole of the whole the whole collection that to actually give you a big distorted guitar big sort of pick uh that kind of pixies uh, nirvana dynamics going uh, mm-hmm. that uh, to have this just crushing uh you know crushing chorus and it is you know fists in the air it's a fist in your air christmas uh and <laughs> yeah that's right and and I and I got to say I can't even think of what the words are. I'd have to actually look them up. But it it do a great. To, but it's one of those I, I liked specifically because nothing else on the record does this. So uh, so what's funny about it is is he's every line is a setup, and so he can say we can do this or this will happen, and then the answer is because it's Christmas time. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so what we have as the listener, what we're thinking of is, huh? Yeah. Does that thing mean it's Christmas? You know, like he says, there's your father with his pipe because it's Christmas time. Yeah. And uh, we travel in a one horse open sleigh. I mean, he he says it. I think he's just messing with us a little bit. I don't think Sufjan actually has ridden in a, I mean, who who do you know that's ridden in a one horse open sleigh? And I have never done it myself. <laughs> I know one person and that's because I interviewed her uh, uh, recently. Uh, there you go. That Amy Carlson, who is the singer for office uh, office romance because i asked have you ever been in a one horse open sleigh and she said yes i actually have so <laughs> well i i would love that i should start a business a local business yeah. let's you know like let's give people that experience because i never i've never had it the uh <laughs> but yeah I, I, that and i guess i i think that's one of the things i like about this particular song is that it adds a level of playfulness yeah. that you rare that i don't want to say you don't get but is rarely this obvious because to have, you know, to have because it's Christmas time feels like a, uh, you know, it, it's like it, it's clearly non sequiturial much of the time or it yeah. feels non sequiturial much of the time. But yeah, to have that kind of to have him doing that when this record almost always feels, uh, if not serious, at mm-hmm. least it rarely feels playful. And yeah. so, uh, so for me, it, it, it jumps out because not not because it's heavy, but because it's a tone that I haven't heard I haven't heard enough of. Christmas time I think about 
like to listen to depressing music. Is that good for us? You know, so I have some people that like, you know what, I can only take so much of it. I need something more uplifting. And so I listen to Sufjan for the sad songs because they actually, they're therapeutic to me. So I think I like it that you're actually picking out, well, Sufjan's just having some fun on this one and that's okay. Yeah. And, and I have to say, and I'm always really careful because I feel when I, as I talk about this stuff, because, you know, I can't be sure how to read tone throughout a lot of this, you know, like, the first, you know, the whole first uh, first uh, disc with uh, almost all, say, they're all sort of folk songs. And I don't hear smiles. I don't hear the signifiers of fun. But that doesn't mean that him sitting around with friends playing these songs and then them singing harmony, whatever, that that's not fun. And that that's, mm-hmm. that may not be, you know, Monopoly fun or, uh, you know, drinking and dancing with a lampshade on your head fun. But it might be fun and, you know, musician fun. So I don't want to say that it isn't. It just doesn't signal it clearly. And here we at least do get. And and that's kind of, and that's I think, part of the charm of this set. One of the things that makes it, you know, so indie uh, is that it is in, in some ways leaves it to you to sort out. How do we, how do you take this? Um, you know, like if you buy, like I have, I'm holding the uh, the box, uh, the CD box, you know, and it's it comes, you know, it feels like it's a pricey thing. It you know, it, I mean, it didn't cost nothing. It wasn't expensive, but it also comes with a, a songbook, which also has uh, you know cartoons that were drawn by I think drawn by a fr- uh, by a friend, Tom Eaton. Uh, it has. You know, it mm-hmm. has stickers. stickers. It has the it has the uh, the poster of the family that's probably not his actual family, and so it's it's, it's, still, it's very you know, ironic. There's a, there's yeah. an ironicness to it, yeah. Or if if not ironic, a lot of misdirection or a lot of like, yeah. I'm throwing you yeah. a bunch of signals. What do you think that's signaling? If being fully aware that some of those might not signal anything, and so it's okay. part of what makes it really interesting, but it also kind of means that you're there's a lot of time where you're putting where, where you're putting the meaning on it or you feel like you're putting the meaning on it um, yeah and, and and i think you're you're bringing up a great point because when you hear those early eps and they're very serious um the listener like <laughs> we have to determine how annoyed we're going to be with twee indie rockers you know how self-serious is this guy he has this very kind of raspy, quiet voice, you know, who is, if we didn't know anything about him, we'd be like, we, there's a chance that this is the best music in the world. Like, so when I discovered it, it just spoke volumes to me. And I, I know I was like, I'm, I'm in love with this guy. I love everything about him. I could see how somebody else could be like, I am so sick of these Brooklyn independent rockers. You know, who are these, these self-serious people think they are? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, Although I got to say, I got like, I picked it up. I heard it when disc four was out. I think I heard tracks online and then I got it after disc after the fifth when the box came out. I think had I heard the first one first, I would have been interested because it was doing something that no one else was doing. I mean, to a great degree, 
in, you know, when like Lowe's Christmas album was 1999. And they really were one of the first bands in a long time, a, you know, a contemporary rock band to go into Christmas music. Both of the 80s and a lot of Christmas music, once you got through the, uh, the very special Christmas series, most Christmas music by, by pop acts usually came kind of with an, with an implicit apology. You know, sorry, my label made me do this. But in, 2000, so in 2001, when this came out, to have somebody, an indie artist, play, you know, Christian songs, seemingly with a straight face, play them well, and uh, and play them with that kind of the you know and the indie sort of unassuming spirits like I think I would have been there I think I'd have given it at least one shot. Well, well, a little comment on that in regards to sincerity. So I'll tell you how somebody like me heard this music, and I'm going to guess that Sufjan came about doing this Christmas song in a completely different path or a different channel. But around this time, within church music. There was a number of groups. Again, they, these were independent groups. Uh, one of them is called Indelible Grace. They're out of they're out of uh, Nashville, but what they were doing was they were doing folk versions of hymns. And so, if you have church and choir organ music, uh, and then you have big arena uh, contemporary worship songs, and you know you, you sing them in a huge stadium. You know, there's a side of that where like, well, the very traditional stuff, I don't really connect with it. The big production stuff, I don't connect with that stuff either. And so there there were there was these people doing essentially exactly what Sufjan does. Let's reset these hymns in a folk setting. Let's go back to the authenticity of the of the song and the lyric itself. And so for somebody like me as a church music leader, that's what that's what connected with me. That's why it was so powerful. And so, you know what? It's only taken years to look back on it and go, oh, at certain points, he's kind of being playful and being ironic. But at the time, it was like, wow, I've never heard these Christmas carols in this kind of setting before. And by the way, I hadn't heard that low album, right? I hadn't been um, introduced to it yet. Um, So for me, this was like the most authentic Christmas songs I'd ever heard. Right. I get that. It it rescued it for me. Well, and I I get that too, because one thing I was thinking about sort of as I was listening to those, uh, listening to that, especially that first disc, is that the beauty of it for me is that you know these songs now carry so much baggage because mm. you know they are first off they're simply so well known they have been so sung so played and that they have now become sort of part of like you know the armor of christmas and so it was really kind of nice to hear somebody make them small personal songs again and someone to sing it as if the only person people he's singing to are the three or four other people in the room who are singing along and who are singing harmonies with them and that this is no longer a celebration of a you know of a you know capital c month-long event uh, you know capital christmas month-long event this is no longer a part of a soundtrack to a shopping season this is now this isn't even part of like a hundred people carol sing out at a uh, at an, uh, you know at a at a park. This is just five people entertaining each other. Like 
there's life in that concept and that the ability to bring this back down to human scale feels like a, you know, like a, a brilliant idea. Um, not always, as I say, not always great to listen to. Everything in there is well done, but I had to say, sooner or later, I will eventually, you know, eventually tap out. But I, but I recognize the, recognize the gesture, and I recognize it's a great gesture, and there are people who are going to be there for all of it, and it, I'm just mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. one of them. <laughs> That's right. So you also wanted to make sure that we talked about uh, about um, Sister Winter. Yeah. Tell me why. Yeah. So. Out of all of his original songs, uh, for me, the one that stands out the most is Sister Winter. And it's it's this really sad, brooding song. <laughs> and I think listening to Sufjan, you know, you're going to either reject this or go, you know what? Uh, I, I fully embrace this, is to make an argument for the sad Christmas song. And... I think if you look back on some of the the great standards, like even White Christmas or I'll Be Home for Christmas or uh, uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, those are there's all there's sad twinges to all those songs. But but there's also a pop gleam to them where it's like, you know what, it's really going to be okay in the end. At least uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. They changed the lyrics to that one, which is really interesting and part of that history. Um, (laughs) But uh, so for Sufjan, this song, it just. It, it gives me all the feels, I guess you could say. And I, I think what's interesting about it is it's really a completely secular song. Like there's no elements of faith. It's just about being with your friends or your family. And you're just not feeling it this year. You know, I, I don't, I, I'd be, you know, I'd be curious, you know, what's the backstory, you know, what, what set Sufjan off that year where he went off, off by himself you know, you know, I, I could imagine his group of friends being like, what happened to Sufjan? Like, who, who ticked him off? Like, what's going on with him? And he's, he's off in someone's side bedroom, you know, and not coming out for two hours, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and so it's just, it's just, <laughs> and, you know, and so it's this beautiful song. And, and I don't fully understand who Sister Winter is. It's almost like he creates a kind of a, a new mythological creature, a new little goddess, Sister Winter, you know, Father Christmas, Sister Winter. And maybe she's the, the 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 exact inverse of Father Christmas. Maybe she's sad and she's here to bring coldness to our lives, and uh, he's been infected by her. And, uh, and so, so the, the, what I love so much about the song is it's is it builds and builds and builds to this this grand climax, which I just love. And 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 the climax is him returning to his friends. It's him realizing. Oh, I've kind of been a jerk or I've, I've been given over to whatever is, whatever's haunting me. You know, I, I got, I, I got to overcome it. I really do love my friends. I do. I really do want to be with them. And he comes back and he wishes them, a, you know, a happy Christmas. And I don't know, there's just something so sad and beautiful about the whole thing. And uh, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I just love listening to it every year. My wife and I just kind of a little tra- tradition. We're just like, yeah, let's go, let's go be sad and emo listening to sister winter again. <laughs> I've begun to worry right Where I should be grateful 
I should be satisfied. Oh my heart, I would clap and dance in place with my friends. I have so much pleasure to embrace, but my heart is returned to Sister Winter. But my heart is as cold as ice. I, I like the song a lot. Now I'm going to listen to it more closely. Um, at the same time, I have to say, by disc five, it feels in sequence like he's getting over the concept. And yeah, you know, I was like, right. I was really surprised right. when when Silver and Gold came out because. At disc five, it feels a little, much the same way that the 52 States project ended about 50 states early, that it felt like at some point the Christmas concept was starting to wear for him and it didn't wasn't wasn't feeding him the way it had been earlier on. And yeah. so he's you know, that the songs are there are songs that are not true Christmas songs like Sister Winter, like you know, Jupiter Winter. Christmas mm-hmm. in July, he seems to be like I've like I've committed myself. How do I how do I get out while I'm still committed? How do I how do I That's honor right. the how do I honor the concept when I'm really not feeling the concept anymore? I, um, I fully agree that that last EP is that, and I don't know what quite to make of it. By the way, the um, uh, the, the funny song Santa Get Behind Me, which is a playoff of Satan Get right, Behind Me, sure. it's a deconstruction of Santa Claus where he's like. What if Santa Claus wasn't this really nice gift bringer? What if he was a creep who snuck into all of our houses? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and and I like that song a lot. And actually, and I and I enjoy like that's the one I probably enjoy. That disc is the one I enjoy most as music. And I think yep. his that his compositions are the best compositions uh, of the series. And I'm most involved in it. You know, in the arrangements, I'm most engaged in it musically, and. And, and and similarly, I find when I get to silver and uh, silver and gold, I like listening to a lot of those songs. And and it's clear he's found his way by that point, kind of back into the concept. But this one feels like the one where he's where he's not he's do, he's doing it because he he's doing it because he's done it, and not because he feels an artistic uh, a clear artistic direction forward. So, so, so I, I really love that point that you're bringing up. I, so on one hand, that's why I like Sister Winter, because it's so personal. Sure. Because it's, it's just him. And so Sufjan, again, this could be a complaint of Sufjan over his career, is he abstracts through referencing so many things all at once. And so I see him doing that, like Jupiter Winter, and he's talking about astronomy and, you know, the Greek gods. And it's I, in my head, I'm going, yeah, what, what's a Jupiter Winter? What's going on here? Yeah. And uh, I, because I have to think about it so much, I just kind of like zone out and actually just try to enjoy the music. Because I don't, I, don't I don't know what he's singing about. Um, what's a Jupiter Winter? You know, like. <laughs> the story I hear when I listen to it is, you know, something that started off simple and fun realizing oh there's more to this and so it goes on into a second one and then kind of by disc three it's like he's figuring out how to how to take those songs that he's been singing on the first two and start to imprint himself and make them more an extension of his art rather than him 
sort of visiting these classic texts and at the same time yeah. figuring out how to write into this form and then again in a way that makes sense as his art and yeah. four works similarly though it's though I, I i i enjoy it a lot to listen to it but it doesn't feel like it, the the this three catches me because it feels like he's realizing he's got lightning in a bottle you can like hear him mm. on him recognizing oh i can do this oh i can do that and there's the the, the buzz of having a thought completely come together for me, four is the realization, doing it all, doing making everything sound very much like his music. He every you know he's, you know he's no longer just transforming songs. He's now remake. He's now using these classic songs to make Sufjan Stevens music, and then by disc five, it's like I've done it, and it's kind of the victory lap. Um, and, and, and I'm going to focus more on the compositions. Like I'm going to make these complicated and make it, you know, I'm, I'm in this Illinois mode. Right. Yeah. And so he kind of did that. He's yeah. like, this is more about the compositions. Yeah. And it's entirely possible that at that point, the subject matter is kind of, he's kind of said what he has to say about that subject matter. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I totally agree. And it's almost like this idea where Christmas wouldn't let him go. And so he, his way of engaging with the traumas of his childhood and maybe coming into his own as an adult Hey, I'm going to just do a Christmas EP every year. Okay. That's a crazy idea. But then by the end of it, he's like, I can just go back into my, and have my quiet, humble Christmas again of me just kind of being with myself. And yeah, he, 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 it is interesting that he did a whole other set of it because he does seem kind of at peace with it by the end of this EP number five. Yeah. Since it's Christmas, let's be glad Even if your life's been bad There are presents to be had Take a walk out in the snow And hear Santa's ho, ho, ho He's got a million miles to go Thanks to Chris for the time and the talk. You can get Chris Marchand's Let Nothing You Dismay at chrismarchand.bandcamp.com. Thanks to AF The Naysayer for the theme music and to you for listening. If you haven't already done so, follow, subscribe, or do whatever your podcast provider needs you to do to keep 12 songs coming. If you're an Apple person, a five-star review would be appreciated. We'll wrap up today with one more from Stompin' Tom Connors. In keeping with the tone of today's show, here's Story of Jesus. For Merry Christmas, everybody. Talk to you next week. In a land so far away so long ago Lived a boy with his parents meek and low By miraculous birth he came to this earth, the savior of this wicked world of woe. Now his mother was a pure and shining dove. 
And Joseph showed the boy his tender love For an angel of light had appeared on that night Proclaiming him the Son of God above Now the first of many wonders to behold Was when Mary couldn't find her twelve-year-old In the temple he was found Teaching wise men all around as they marveled at the